With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, kids. Space Ghost here. You're listening to Riley and Kimmy on the Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. The Riley and Kimmy Show. Toys, movies, comics, and so much more. The Riley and Kimmy Show. And the more that you listen, the more that you'll know The Riley and Kimmy Show The Riley and Kimmy Show The Riley and Kimmy Show <laughs> All right, don't hurt yourself there. Big uh, big thank you to Cool As Heck, artist Cool As Heck, who will be at MegaCon Orlando in just a few days for singing the Riley and Kimmy Show jingle. Hi there. Right next to me is... Kevin! I got one name! Kevin! Hello, everybody! Hello, everybody! Hi! Hi there. I am your host, Patrick Riley. How did you ever get into this business? Whoever let you into a radio station? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> somebody did. You know, I, I actually, know. You know, I actually started at a radio station. Not bragging. I mean, it was just a different time period. I started at the age of thirteen. Uh, it was my first paid gig at a radio station. Mm-hmm. I'm very lucky for that. It's something you could not do today. Right. It, it'd be very rare if you could. Uh, I'm talking about traditional radio, uh, the old uh, terrestrial radio stations, the AMs, the FMs. Uh, just it'd be very hard to do commercial wise. Right, things have changed very, very much. Yes, and I'm I'm very lucky with that. And you, and you know what's funny is we kicked off the show with somebody who, uh, one of the things he and I have in common, besides we're both a little crazy, is George Lowe started at like at 14 or 15 at a radio station in Florida. Uh-huh. And so we have that common thing. Yeah. And we're talking about that. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of cool, isn't it? Uh-huh. And yes, George did open the show on the Riley and Kimmy show, and I can't wait to see him again. I know. You know, he is having an he's art. Fun. He's having an art show real soon, Kimmy. Oh we, we yeah, do, I saw that. And I, you know, I'd love to check that out. Mm-hmm. He, I mean, one of the cool things you go by his table, you see his. Uh, he actually sketches and stuff. He has sketches there, mm-hmm. drawings, and he did some of that art on an autographed piece for me. <laughs> that it's one of the strangest and oddest and most unique autographs. Mm-hmm. I have. I'm not an autograph hound. Uh, well, and I'm not bashing anybody who is. I just don't collect autographs and never mm-hmm. have. Mm-hmm. And even all the years when I started at very young interviewing celebrities, notables, and maybe from you know TV shows or um, uh, musicians and stuff, I never did that. I never did the thing. But I got an autograph from him because I just love his voice work. Mm-hmm. And personally, I like him. And just he he's a very unique soul. And that is one of the most strange things I have framed 
here in the Riley and Kimmy Show studios. So I say, if you get a chance to meet him, wherever he may be, be sure to check out George Lowe. Right, Kimmy? That's right. You can't miss him. He's he's a he's a hoot. A hoot? <laughs> what? what? I was oh, trying to think of a good what, word. What, what, he's a card. He, he's a, wait, he's a hoot or he's a card? I don't know which. Come on. I don't know. It just popped in my head. What are you hanging head. with? People that are 122 years old going. Well, yeah, actually. Well, no, well, <laughs> I am not 122 years old. No, I didn't I'm not mean a you. day over 120. I know. <laughs> How dare. See, she's saying, you know what? You're saying that Mike of Mike's Comics is 122. No, 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 That's no. You, or are you referring to Tom Rump of the Daytona no, Beach Comic Book no, Convention? No. Is that who you're saying that 120 some year olds? I'm talking I, about my other identity. Oh, okay. So, Kimmy. Oh, right. Kibby is what? You're in, in my other identity, I hang with a lot of 122 Well, you are a geezer superhero. Yeah, I guess, sort of. Okay, well, that's true, right? Geezer superhero. And we'll talk about that someday here on the uh, Riley and Kimmy show. I, we won't uh, go down that path right now because we have a jam-packed episode of Geekdom right here. And Nerdum has some shout-outs to do here, too, in just a few moments. By the way, this is, if this is like your very first time to the Riley and Kimmy show, thank you for... Checking us out. We do a daily, every single day, a daily, right? I mean, every, every day. day. We do a, every day. We do an original uh, episode every single day about pop culture nerdum, and uh-huh. it could be about anything. Yes, sometimes we have people that are a little controversial on, but it is not in a biting way or anything. It's always a positive thing. They might have a viewpoint of something that's affecting pop culture that might not be what everybody has. And we do allow them onto the show. And we always try to have maybe a counter viewpoint Mm -hmm. of that. Big shout out going to a couple of individuals, maybe more than two, uh, because before sitting down for 876, matter of fact, right after episode 875 of the Riley and Kimmy show, and I need to really say, if you missed 875, you want to check out 875 because... 875 of the Riley and Kimmy show, Roland Mann came rolling in to the Riley and Kimmy show and sat down in our studios for a little bit to talk about Megacon. He will be there as a guest, but he was also talking about the world of print art, artists who do posters and things like that, and also cosplay, just various things and a little bit of history. Roland is a fantastic individual to talk to about, especially the history of comic books. He is a professor of comics. I'm not kidding, am I kidding? kidding no. At all. He really is. He, he deals with comic book writing, and he I can call him an expert. He may not call himself that. He is former Marvel and Malibu editor, so he can talk about some very interesting things about the industry. Also, he is an independent comic book writer and creator, and he has a new uh, project, which he does refer to, called Tiny and that's in episode 875 of the Riley and Kimmy show. You really want to check that one out, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Fun interview. And after we got done with Roland, by the way, um, I did not sleep. Had zero sleep. Because right. I was doing some other voiceover projects and things like that. And I was special guest. Uh, not, I didn't get the special guest status. I didn't get that like they do on the TV series. You know, and special guest. No, uh, I was appearing, I guess. <laughs> I was just, I was guest. I was guest on the Martin Dunn show. And big thank you to Martin Dunn and his co-host, Dustin Holifer, for inviting me to be part of the show. And it was kind of a weird thing because, Kimmy, I, I didn't realize when I uh, agreed to be on the show that I would be filling in also for, for Martin for the last hour of the mm. show. 
Mm-hmm. And now the big guest, the person who was invited, it was so cool to be on uh, the show with him, was Kevin A. Boyd. He is the comics coordinator for Fan Expo Canada, the parent of Megacon. Wow. And this guy, I've heard stories about him, and they're always good, is a nerd's nerd when it comes to the world of comic books. It was just so cool to talk to him. So you guys kind of hit it off. Yeah, I, I, it's real, it was so cool talking to him. One of the things he did talk about, because Martin has been talking about print art and poster art and stuff with Megacon. He does talk about that, by the way. He reveals what, well, I don't want to say reveals, discusses what's going to be going on with Megacon. So it's something to check out. Also, they, they talk about that, and they talk about Megacon Fan Days, which is going to be happening later in the year. Mm-hmm. So there's been rumors that because MegaCon did a MegaCon fan days for the very first time on uh, was it November 2015, and some were saying, well, they they're not going to do that again, and others were saying, yeah, I think they're going to do it again, and yes, they are. And Kevin talks about that on Martin's show. Now another thing he talked about, he he and I, I I, I think it was kind of cool with Dustin because we went into a world of deep comic book nerdum, fun nerdum because Kevin is. Uh, a, a very knowledgeable soul on vintage comic books and classics and collectibles. And we talked about restorations of comics, uh, pressing of comics. And one of the cool things is I was able to talk to somebody who was just, oh, he was so knowledgeable about Joe Schuster and Jerry Siegel, the boys who created Superman. And we talked about that for a little bit. Also chatted about Bob Kane and Bill Finger his thoughts, if either of those, because see, I think that that's a movie right there. The Bob Kane, Bill Finger, Jerry and uh, Joe story. If you could throw them all together, twist them, because it all kind of played out right at, you know, and several ended not the best way. Although, I'll tell you something. Uh, Kevin actually, in my opinion, from my research that I've read multiple sources and talked to people, he had a good grasp and a not a sugar-coated version of Jerry Siegel, which you don't often hear. Mm-hmm. And he shares his story about Neil Adams, how Neil Adams almost didn't help the boys. And it was because of how he felt about Jerry Siegel. And mm-hmm. then he meets Joe Schuster and changes his mind. Wow. It's a cool story. And you can catch this. This, I mean, this is history. You can catch this story. On the Martin Dunn Show, and we have a link to that on our Facebook page, which is available if you're not if you're if you're, if you don't like our page already, hey, shame on you. You can get to it directly on our website, and our web address is rileyandkimmy.com. Yes, rileyandkimmy.com. And by the way, we also talked about on that episode what we, the Riley and Kimmy Show, or at least one of us will be doing. Well, we will be covering Megacon. That's no secret. We we will be doing the press thing. We'll be doing interviews. So if you see us and you want to be part of the show, please, please uh, talk nerd with us and geek. We'll be talking to also very interesting vendors and uh, some other celebrity interviews that have been arranged and artists and things like that. We'll, we'll be doing that. But another thing we'll be doing is we will be doing panels, three days of panels at Megacon. And the first day, yours truly will be a quiz master. Is that what you want people to say when you walk down the street? He's a quiz master. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I want, quiz master. Now, I've actually titled myself the quiz master, right, Kimmy? Uh-huh. Uh, I, I will be moderator 
of something called Marvel fill in the blank game. Mm. Now, according because you know Kevin's Kevin's the guy who's head of all this kind of stuff, right? Uh-huh. And I was like, you know, um, Constance who contacted us and invited me to be part of this. Constance, who for those who are part of MegaCon, know, know who Constance is. She's and she's also a big nerd. Um, Constance said that Kevin, uh, this was his idea. Well, Kevin admitted that no, it wasn't necessarily his idea. It's Marvel Comics's idea. So this will be something quite interesting. I know as much about it as you do right now. So <laughs> I, I'm trying to find out more. And we will be, we will be part of the Marvel fill in the blank game. Now I don't know if it is the Hulk walks into the room and sees. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what it is. Right. Uh, you know, is it like match game? I, I mean, ooh, match game. Yeah. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. And you know, yeah, I could be like Gene Rainbird. That right? Yeah. Like get that real long microphone, and I could wear one of those crazy jackets because he, and you know, what's really weird. I, he he wore these weird jackets, and he had the vest on there, a huge, big, fat tie. Mm. Uh, you know, Gene Rainbird. Yeah. He kind of <laughs> looked like a mafia guy. Kind of looked like he belonged on the TV series The Untouchables as one of the yeah, thugs. Kind of. <laughs> Didn't he? Yeah. But hey, we can't bash the show. You had Charles Nelson Riley on it, and you Richard, have a fanny flag. And a Richard Dawson. That, we, we Are can you have, gonna have a fanny flag? I don't want a. I don't. What are you saying? I do not have a fanny flag. Are you saying I have a fanny <laughs> flag? Am I, you mean am I going to be walking on stage going, "Hello, welcome to a Marvel fill in the blank game. Here's my fanny flag." No, I, is that what you're saying? <laughs> no. You, 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 oh, come on. See, are so, you gonna have a Brett Summers? Ugh, I hope not. You know what's funny is there are people listening to the show who have no clue what fanny flag is. That's and, true. And you don't want to know what fanny flag is, correct? Right. Now, well, it, you know they might though because they have that game show channel. Oh, Buzzer TV or yeah. whatever it is that uh, runs yeah, those old shows. I watch those from occasion, you know, because I love the game shows. I love studying the the game show hosts. Like uh, Monty Hall is one of my favorites. You got me going sure. on this because Monty uh-huh. Hall, unlike some of the uh, quiz masters they would let's face it they'd hold up a card and go eh, the question is blah 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 and a person would buzz in and they go oh, you're right now let's uh let's move on but you had high interaction type hosts which i really love checking out and could work people very well one of them being monty hall that show he does some improv stuff and just way works it and keeps it fun and moving mm-hmm. he's a fantastic study also bob barker for very similar reasons you know especially his days as truth or consequences when he's playing around with that and even price is right i mean he he moves very well with the show it's not just stilted which is interesting bill cullen who is the master of game show hosts he did, I don't know how many, I think like 200 different various shows. They were pilots and they failed and, you know, ones that hmm. were successful. He was also a, when I say that 200, he was also a contestant, not contestant, a panelist on a lot of them too. Bill uh, had a, a disability and the public didn't know it. And most of the people who were playing the games didn't know it. And some of the celebrity guests never knew. They never knew. They hid it on, on camera. And they did a very, very good job. His, you will see, he, he of course, is not moving, but that's the reason is he doesn't walk out on set. Like some of them will walk out, you know, they'll come out and he'll, and he'll be walking. He ne- he's, sit- he's seating every single time, and that's why. So he doesn't, it, it, it's a cool thing if you're reading that. But, you know, example, like Gene Rainbird we we're talking about here, I love watching. He works extremely well with the celebrities. That's his thing. And the camera, he, he breaks that fourth wall very well and effectively, whereas others may not. And one of the best now, in my opinion, is Drew uh, with uh, Drew Carey. He was horrible. Uh, I have the first week of The Price is Right because he was probably out of his element with it and, mm-hmm. you know, and just was 
totally uncomfortable. He is. It's his now. I mean, he owns that. He's really changed. I would love to meet him mm-hmm. uh, because uh, he almost died and he turned his life around because he right. wanted to live for his kid. He he's an inspiration. Mm-hmm. So. Game shows. Kimmy's got me going because of Fanny Flag. That's where this all started. Sorry. You know, thank you, Kimmy. She's Fanny Flag. Ma- Will you stop it with Fanny Flag? Match game. I love Match Game. You know, Match Game. Mm. Match Game seventy two. <laughs> right. I just I love that and you know and I seriously liked uh, Charles Nelson Riley on that because I know what's going on there that is hidden to the public at that time period. Mm-hmm. And his some of his answers, if you know, and you, you can just look this up on Wikipedia, about Charles Nelson Riley, uh, some of the answers he's giving are going over the censors' heads and stuff like that of the time period. Mm-hmm. And he's actually talking more about himself than people realize. But when you look at it in hindsight, you know, it's really cool. And also, he's wearing a rug the whole time. Mm-hmm. And when the episodes you see him wearing a hat, it's mm-hmm. because his rug got damaged and they had to make it customized. I think it was like New York. And it took over three weeks for that hat to, or for the hair to come back to him. Mm-hmm. So he's wearing a hat on these episodes. Mm-hmm. And they, they let him do it. And they also let him smoke on the thing. Yeah. He, he smokes on the show with a pipe. Who? I mean, I'm not condoning that. I'm, you know, that's not my world, that part. But it's just a trip watching those, you know. And, oh, those crazy 70s. Yeah. Isn't it? Uh-huh. It, it, weird. So we don't know what the Marvel fill-in-the-blank game is as we're going there. As Kimmy went down match game and fanny flag. There is no fanny flag, okay? Uh, I, I'm not – do you want to appear, Kimmy, and have the fanny flag going? That's fine. No. But I am not having the fanny flag. I have no idea what that is. So if we would, do you want to you want to practice here? The thing walks into the room and sees <laughs> and, and sees Johnny Storm sitting on the couch with a blink. blink. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. All right. Well, I hope they don't let have you write these things. Well, I am working on it as we speak. Do I not have a giant recipe card in my hands? Yes, you do. Now, if you want to help me here to prepare, just in case uh, you know somebody drops the ball and doesn't give me the questions, just friend us on Facebook. You know, uh, like us and message me the. Oh, you're gonna have some stuff ready, huh? Uh, yeah, I. Mark, oh. do you know why? Because Mark B. Lee, master moderator, who we interviewed by the way on. Episode 800 and, oh, what is he at? 874, I think it is. Uh, check it. It's, it's listed right on our website. Check him out because he actually says, you know, you know, prepare, prepare, prepare. Because he is, doing example, he's doing 12 panels, celebrity panels. He's at, your Master Yoda. Oh, he is. Huh? My, um, yeah. And I'm Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> 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 Watch out. No, <laughs> I mean, this. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, I, no, I'm not Anakin. I, no. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, he's like, prepare. So you can help me prepare with a fill in the blank if you want to just by messaging me some questions, you know, and whatever, just for fun of it. And that way we have a backup, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. And we, we could do a test run with it. I can hear Mike thinking now. Which Mike? I can hear Mike Kale's. Thinking oh, right now. Oh, you think so? Mike Kale's our yep. good friend in Port Orange. Uh, he never lets us down. I was going to say Port Orange Palm Coast. He'll give you but some ideas. You think he will? Oh, yeah. I think he likes Marvel stuff. Uh-huh. So I think he will. Yeah. You know? So, you know, just remember, be nice about Aunt May. We don't make fun of Aunt May, right? Mm-hmm. We don't make fun of Aunt May. We leave her alone. She's got a new image now. It's not really a new image. We talked with somebody about this, uh, Humphrey Ching, who, by the way, is on the show, I think it's 872 episode. He talks about uh, panel, uh, not panel, uh, art, and he talks about uh, poster and print art. 
and Megacon. He talks about Aunt May too with me. I think on that episode, I think it made it to the episode. Maybe it didn't. Um, but he he points out that Aunt May in some of the comic stories has been made younger. Mm. And he likes that part. He likes this Aunt May. He thinks it's great. Mm-hmm. I personally like her older than dirt. Oh, and do you? Yes. Now, here's the reason. And I, now you get me on a sidetrack here. Because some say that Stan Lee is now saying that when he created Aunt, Aunt May, Steve Ditko, the artist, made her older than what he originally designed or wrote. He made her decrepit. Okay. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily buy that story. And I'll tell you why. Here's the reason. First of all, why, if that's the case, didn't he change it? Because the Hulk came out originally gray. Well, guess what? He became green. They changed it. Uh, Daredevil. He was originally not red. He was yellow, black with some red. Didn't like it. Changed it. He changed things. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't he change the age? Mm -hmm. Pepper Potts was even changed a bit and adjusted and stuff from what her original thing was by Stan. So I, I don't accept that. And here's why. Because I think there was a lot of Superman influence on Spider-Man. And here's why. He, he the, uh, the successful formula part. And there's nothing wrong with this. First of all, he hyphenated Spider-Man, made it Spider-Man, so people wouldn't confuse Superman. Because what are the colors of Spider-Man? Same as mm-hmm. Superman. There is that thing there. And I think that elderly couple, the that raising the kid was something that was tapped into because that worked successfully for Superman for so many years. He had the, the parents on Earth who were adoptive, and but they were old. And I think that's what was part of it there, too, because of the, the I just I think it made a unique character who stands out dealing with older parents or older situation, makes him almost an outcast. And it makes Peter almost an outcast in a way. He, has, he doesn't have parents anymore. And he, he's kind of an old aunt who can't relate to a generational thing at all, has no just does not get it, you know, what what's going through, especially in the 60s at that time period. I mean, you get the hippie culture kicking in, even though Spider-Man's just before the hippie culture, more of the beatnik uh, culture. He, I think, though, it still played out years later because she needs, I think, to be older because hmm. it just, and it puts him, he has to protect her. She needs him and it grounds him too, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the thing. I just, I, I like it more with the, the older aunt who can't, you know, yeah. And you know, at one time back then with the older aunt, I think it's 1974, 75 range, she marries Dr. Octopus. Hmm. It's on the cover, too. Wow. See? And wouldn't you like to see that? Some some 95-year-old marrying Dr. Octopus in the upcoming movie. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and think of the product tie-ins with an older Aunt May. Mm-hmm. Aunt May endorses Depends. <laughs> aunt May <laughs> endorses Denture Cream. It gets a different demographic right there. Okay. Uh, I still think older Aunt May. But I understand why they're going this route. All I can say is I like this Aunt May that's in the film better than Sally Field as Aunt May. Okay. And plus I do understand you got a time where, you know, a little romantic thing with Tony Stark now. Mm. Yeah, you get that going on. Okay. Because I don't know if Pepper Pop's going to make it back to the film. (laughs) (laughs) So I think we saw a Pepper Potts replacement in the Captain America Civil War. Hmm. Don't you? Possible. Anyway, back to our panels real quick. Saturday at MegaCon, we will be. Oh, wait a minute. Let, let, like this, like this. Everybody's following along here. The Marvel fill in the blank game will be in West 303 starting at 2 o'clock on Friday. Ooh. Yes, that's West 303. Then, oh, if you're following along, West 311, E through H, which means it's big. That's a Saturday starting at 2.20. We will be 
moderating the sketch duel with Jay Lee versus Lionel Francis, you. And then Sunday, same room, West 311, East through, or E through H. Starting at 2.30, sketch duel, Mike McCone versus Clay Mann. All right. So that's our panel thing. We have more information available right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. That's that's a Megacon. And by the way, uh, check out Megacon schedule at Megaconvention.com. Right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this, aren't you? Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I really am. Now, by the way, I uh, want to also do, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm checking notes because we got uh, we got a jam-packed show still here, Kimmy. We're going to go back in time here in just a few moments on the Riley and Kimmy show. I uh, wanted to state that there is a brand new convention that's just been announced before we sat down for 876. The Riley and Kimmy show has been privy to this for a little bit because we've been invited to this big show. Big thank you going out to the promoter of this event. It is happening. Well, Kimmy, would you like to reveal what city in Florida this brand new convention is going to be at? Melbourne, Florida. That's right. Happening Sunday, October 30th, the day before Halloween. It is the Melbourne Toy and Comic Con. Cool. Now, the Melbourne Toy and Comic Con is being brought to you by the the fine folks of the Orlando Toy and Comic Con. So you know this is going to be jam-packed with nerd fun, right, Kimmy? Mm-hmm. Tons of stuff. Wide variety of vendors, artists, and by the way, I've, I've been privy to this one. There's going to be a costume contest and game tournament going on, sponsored by our good friends at Famous Faces and Funnies in Melbourne, one of the largest comic book shops I need to say stores in Florida, just under 11,000 square feet. Yeah, it's too big to be called a shop. Yeah, it's store. Yeah. <laughs> big store. <laughs> Warehouse. Yeah. Uh, store. W- Warehouse of nerd stuff. Yeah. Famous faces and footings. By the way, it's so big, just to give an idea for those who have never been to it. It is in a, a former, what do they call those, dual theaters? It's where they had two theaters, uh, Mm -hmm. a a cinema that had two. That's what it's in. It's in a former theater. It's really cool how they redesigned this thing and made it a a comic book nerd paradise. Yeah. So be sure to check out Famous Faces and Funnies before this big event. Also, go to our website for more information. We will keep you updated updated about the the big event happening in Melbourne. That's the Melbourne Toy and Comic Con happening October 30th. And a big thank you going out to the show promoter for inviting the Riley and Kimmy show. Thank you, Mike. Yes, thank you, Mike. And by the way, speaking of Mike, we will be today a little bit later on at Mike's Comics and Collectibles in Orlando at Orange Blossom Trail Road. We'll be recording an episode, our very next episode, 877 of the Riley and Kimmy show there, right? Mm-hmm. And we will then be uh, heading over to Regal Cinemas at Waterford Lakes in Orlando to help out with Stars of Hope Charity. And please... Check out our, our Facebook page and Twitter uh, to find out when we're at those locations. We'd love to see you at both. Or if you can only make it to one, please stop on by. Talk nerd with us. We'd love to see you. And you can get links to our social media. Where, Kimmy? RileyandKimmy.com. That's right. RileyandKimmy.com. Be sure to tell your friends about us. Help the show grow. Tell them about the Riley and Kimmy show. Kimmy, I have a question for you. Would you like to play nerd trivia? Of course. <laughs> All right, it's time for Nerd Pop Culture Geek Trivia. If you've never joined us for this before, we ask Kimmy questions 
in the world of pop culture nerddom. Sometimes some history questions, too, because she loves them so much, and an occasional geometry question there, too, right? And geography. No, I'm kidding about those. Uh, most of the things do have a nerd tie to them somehow, mm -hmm. pop culture, maybe collectibles and things like that. And it's all done for fun, and if Kimmy gets more of them right than wrong, she wins some pocket lint. And I think for the last three times, she's been winning pocket lint here on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Mm -hmm. And by the way, beware, our good friend, puppet, cosplayer, artist, Art I Steel wants to play Kimmy in pop culture geek trivia in the near future. Ooh. We might do that at Mike's Comics and Collectibles coming up in the real real near future. I'm not sure if he's allowed in the store. Okay. Uh, but we'll have to check. Maybe maybe he'll make an appearance today. Don't know. I'll check ahead with Mike, and we'll let you know on Facebook and Twitter if uh, Art I Steel will be there. That's Artemis I Steel. Right, okay. Kimmy? Mm -hmm. And if you missed him, we have video available right on our website at RileyandKimmy.com. It is a Saturday, May 21st, as we record this episode, and we get ready to play Nerd Geek Pop Culture Trivia on the Riley and Kimmy Show. Are you ready, Kimmy? Yeah. All right, Kimmy. It was on this date in history, Star Wars Episode Five is released in theaters. Give me the subtitle or the actual title of that movie, and tell me what year it was released. That is Star Wars Episode Five. The Empire Strikes Back. That's correct. 1980. Very good. You got it right on the mark. You are getting your pocket lint. See, that is my favorite Star Wars movie of all time. Mm -hmm. I just love that film. Moving over to something else, Kimmy. It was on this date in history. Bicycles were first seen in the United States. Tell me what year bicycles were first seen in the United States. Um, 1810? Oh, boys. Almost close enough to get pocket lint there. They were originally known as Swift Walkers, and they made their first appearance in New York City in the United States, 1819. Woo! I, how'd you know that? I don't know. Did you have one of those in your collection as a kid because your dad collected everything? Do you think he uh, had an 1819? I don't think he, <laughs> he, might he have. had any that old. Oh, okay. It was on this date in history, Kimmy. Charles A. Lindbergh completed the first solo nonstop air flight across the Atlantic Ocean. Tell me the year. This, Nin is, a, this is a big one. 1920? Ooh, another one. Almost there. 1927. Okay. And if you love the movie Sunset Boulevard, that is a reference to uh, between Norma Desmond and Cecil B. DeMille, that that date right there. Oh. In a classic scene right there. She's like, when was the last time I saw you? And he was like, when Lindbergh landed <laughs> in, mm. in Paris and you were dancing on tables. It's a, uh, it, by the way, the acting there was a little better than what I did, you know. Yeah, just a little. Ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. No, it, was better, it was better than that, right? All right, Kimmy, it was on this date in history. This actually happened. Tell me when. A certain city in the United States became the first city to fingerprint all of its citizens. It's not a joke. I'm being dead serious here. What's that? She, well, she's like, what did you say? That don't make sense. It was on this date in history, a city, a town in the United States became the first city in the U.S. to fingerprint all of its citizens. I have no idea. Give me the year. 1970. Kimmy, it was 1934. I have no idea why. I just know it's at the time of the height of the gangster thing going on with uh, bank robberies and stuff like that. You know, 
Where was that? It was in Iowa at Oskaloosa, Iowa. Okay. And I, you know, I don't know if Dillinger and Pretty Boy Floyd and all that stuff was going on through there and Bonnie and Clyde. It's part of the Midwest that possibly they were, they were acting. So it was 1934. Okay. I, now, I, if somebody had asked me the question, has there ever been a city in the United States where everybody was fingerprinted? I would have said no. Right. But and I don't know if there was like five people in the town either. Okay. Because, you know, the town I grew up, I didn't actually grow up, but I was near, I mean, it was because I grew up literally out on a farm in the middle of nowhere. The closest town to where I grew up was a town of just at 150 people. So mm-hmm. you could quite, you know, easily fingerprint the whole yeah. town, probably. Well, that wasn't a very fair question. Oh, who is about fair? Now, I'll show you how fair I am here. I'm not going to ask you questions about these individuals celebrating birthdays on this date in history. Fats Waller, you would have no clue who that is, and that's unfortunate. One of the greatest jazz pianists of all time. Just to hear him tickle the 88s is worth it. Please check him out if you get an opportunity. He passed away on this, uh, not on this day, but he passed away in December of 1943, at the age of 39, but left us with a lot of, of beautiful work. And matter of fact, uh, Ain't Misbehavin' was originally done by him and composed by him. Robert Montgomery was born on this date, died September 27, 1981, at the age 77, American film and television actor, director, and producer. He is the father of what actress? Robert Montgomery is the Elizabeth? father. That's right, Elizabeth Montgomery, known for Bewitched. Bewitched. Yes. Dennis Day, Kimmy's going, I don't know who that is. And, and if you love old-time radio, you will know who Dennis Day is. He was born on this date, passed away in 1988 at the age of 72. His first appearance, he, be, he, was, he became the, I don't know, the show's singer and also comedic element. His first time on radio was with Jack Benny in 1939 and he went right through to tv and he was a household name for decades that's dennis day and let's see speaking of panelists that we talked about match game a little bit ago this one was this person was known for a ton of game shows i know to tell the truth may have been on match game may have been on match game way before our time there was a match game in the 1960s too may have been on that one but peggy cast do you remember her Mm. All right, Peggy Cass was on tons of things. Very, very smart uh, individual. Peggy Cass, born on this date, passed away in, uh, let's see, 1999, March of 1999, at the age of 74. Ronald Isley of the Isley Brothers having a birthday today, age 75. And moving over to the next one, Kimmy, we have an audio clue for you, okay? Mm -hmm. This is a pop icon, pop culture icon, known for television and film, more TV in ways than film, but... What film he did, it was very big. He's also, his voice, been in a cartoon at least, maybe one. And at least two TV shows. One was a failure, but there was one that was really big that he's known for. Here is your audio clue. It is from a film. Here you go. No, I don't hate Balboa, but I pity the fool. And I will destroy any man who tries to take what I got. All right, give me who is that famous individual having a birthday today? Mr. T. That's right, Mr. T is having a birthday. How old is Mr. T today? Oh, 58. He is 64, and what big TV show is he known for? The A-Team. That's correct. Mr. T having a birthday, age 64, and he was in the Rocky, one of the Rocky films as well. Mm-hmm. And moving over to another birthday today, give me. Unfortunately, this individual is no longer with us, passed away well, we're last as part of a trivia question. Now, our question here is an audio one. I'm going to play you a theme of one of two TV shows that he is famous for. He's also done film as well, but known for 
two TV shows, two huge characters. Tell me the name of the actor. Tell me the name of the TV show, this one, that this theme is from. And then we will deal with another question. Here is your audio clue. Right, Kimmy, do you have an answer? What TV show is this? Uh, Perry Mason. All right, who played Perry Mason? Raymond Burr. That's correct. And can you tell me what year he passed away and at what age? 1999. And at what age? Is that correct? No, that is not correct. What's What's the year? 1993. Okay, that's well, not too bad. All right, right decade. Uh, at 70. He was 76 years old. Can okay. you tell me the big Hitchcock film he's known for? He's He, he plays a role. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Can you do Blair it? Rear Window. That's right, from 1954. That's what he's best known for. And Perry Mason, he played for a long period of time, Kimmy. From 19... Oh, let's just say forever. It's actually 1957 to 1966. Now, can you give me, and I didn't realize this till I, I checked, he did 26 television films as Perry Mason from 1985 to 1993. He reprised, wow. he reprised the role. But he also did another big TV show after Perry. Can you tell me what the show was? Um, Ironside. That's correct. Ironside was his other really huge uh, show. And did you watch Ironside? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and did you like it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love it, especially the first, I think, three seasons of Ironside. It's just fantastic. Uh, just has a, it, It's a good snapshot of late 1967 and on of San Francisco. Uh, it, there's some really cool pieces, and it had more of an edge to it and just something about it. I love the relationship between he and the character Mark way back when. Now, what's kind of cool about him, Burr auditioned for the role of district, the district attorney on Perry Mason the guy by the name of Hamilton Berger who mostly loses in the episodes, well, the producers and individuals saw him and said, you know, you'd be perfect for Perry. That's not what he auditioned for. They said, you'd be perfect for Mason, but if you want the role, you're going to need to lose at least 60 pounds. He went on a crash diet in less than a month or right at a month's time period, lost all the weight returned to do a screen test as Perry Mason, and won the role. Okay. Kind of, I mean, it's bizarre, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And the author, I mean, most people don't realize that Perry Mason was a very big, uh, successful series of books. And the author was still alive, and it became a radio series and then TV series. It, there was success with it. He stated, Gardner stated that when he saw the audition, he said, that is Perry Mason. And so, and it, once again, another show, I love those like early years of Perry Mason. When we get into the 60s, it's one of those that kind of got tired a little bit to me. Mm. But I, I love, I love Perry Mason, like the, 19, the 1950s version up to about 1960 or so. And played Ironside from 67 to 1975. And one of the coolest, coolest uh, themes of all time, in my opinion, because you've got Quincy Jones who did the Ironside theme. Mm-hmm. I love that theme. It's just, uh, I actually have it on my MP3 player, Kimmy. Oh, wow. Yes, I am. I'm that big of a freak. I even have the Perry Mason theme. And even I have the Ozzy Osbourne version, too, of Perry Mason. Yeah? Yes. Now, Kimmy, I thought we'd go back in time to honor 
Raymond Burr, who's having a birthday today. We go back in time with the golden age of radio. Radio was new. Radio. Someone still loves you. And that's the Riley and Kimmy show. Anytime we have an excuse to go back in time to keep this alive, the golden age of radio, that's what we're doing. We're doing it actually for historical purposes to keep this beautiful art form alive. And for those who are listening to the Riley and Kimmy show who love old time radio. We do this from time to time. This one we're going out to, we're, we're going to throw this one out to our good friend, um, Mike Hales. He loves old time radio. Mm-hmm. I think we should send it to him. Don't you? Kimmy? Yeah. Yeah. And we should also send it to our good friend, Eric Waller, of uh, vicious collectibles who will be at MegaCon. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think you're going to love this one. We're going back in time with a, with a, not Perry Mason, but with, <laughs> with a Raymond Burr, Golden Age of Radio episode. Now, I could choose so many. We have so many in our, our library. He did a ton. I mean, a ton of old-time radio. But this one is very good. Not saying the others aren't, but it's it's so good. Especially if you're interested in the Golden Age of Radio a little bit. This one's titled Murder on Mike. A radio mystery writer fired by the show's producer plans the ultimate revenge. A real murder on the show. And mm. Raymond Burr plays that mystery writer and his read his acting is fantastic this is truly ear candy we're going back in time to july 27 1957 here's raymond burr with murder on mike on the riley and kimmy show suspense And the producer of radio's outstanding theater of thrills, the master of mystery and adventure, William N. Robeson. Directors of radio plays share a common fantasy, an unattainable goal, the dream of producing a broadcast in which murder is actually committed on mic. But since they are by and large sane, responsible citizens, their dream is in vain. Not so the hero of the upcoming story, He sets out with lethal intent to make his dream come true. Listen, listen then, as Mr. Raymond Burr stars in Murder on Mike. And now, Mr. Raymond Burr in Murder on Mike, a tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. see me, boss man? Oh, yeah, Chris. Come in. Sit down. You hear the show Sunday? No. Well, you should have. After I got through rewriting that closing scene, it really played. I'll bet. I don't get it, Chris. I don't make you come to rehearsals. You don't have to sit in the control room all day. The least you can do is listen to the show at home. Nothing in my contract says I have to. Well, listen to this playback. George... Honest, I didn't mean it, George. Now get this, Chris. Get it. Do you mean to say that you didn't really mean it when you told my brother that you didn't love him? No. You forget, Doris, that I heard you every word while I was hiding behind the Davenport the night my mother was here. George, I beg you don't do this thing. Put down the gun, George. This is only what you deserve. <laughs> you tricked me for the last time, Doris. You tricked me for the last time. <laughs> How about that, kid? What did you change it for? 
What was wrong with my ending? Why did you change it? Take it easy, Chris. I'll tell you why I changed it, because it was wordy and repetitious. Did it ever occur to you that maybe people are wordy and repetitious? Chris, I'm trying to tell you the scene, the way you wrote it, just didn't play. Just didn't play. That's right. Drag out all the trade cliches. It didn't live, it didn't play. You ran it up the flagpole and no one saluted it. How did you ever get into this business? Whoever let you into a radio station? Chris, I think you need help. Help? Yes. Now, I know a good man, Freudian but liberal. Don't you tell me I need a psychiatrist. Let go of me. I said let go. You are nuts. You listen to me, boss man. For two years now, I've ground out a murder a week for you. Week in and week out. A murder a week. I eat murder, talk murder, dream murder. And what happens? Every time I turn in a decent script, you chop the heart out of it. Your contract is up next week, Chris. You've only got one more script to do. Write it and get out. You'll get better than a script. You'll get everything you deserve. I'm going to show you what a real murder sounds like. I'm going to show you even if I have to kill you to do it. Good evening. This is a recording of an actual murder. Not written, not rehearsed, but well and thoroughly planned. It is respectfully dedicated to Mr. Ken Avery, editor and producer of the radio program Murder, Please. This is my last show, Mr. Avery. I'm delivering it to you in its entirety. Cast, music, everything. The events and persons are absolutely real. It's going to be a great show, Mr. Avery. You'll hear everything but the climax. I'm speaking into a microphone concealed in my desk and connected with a hidden tape recorder. A special microphone is attached to my telephone to enable the listener to hear both ends of any conversation. The music you hear is coming from a high-fidelity phonograph at my side. This program is produced, edited, directed, narrated, engineered, and plotted by Christopher Turner, whose only claim to immortality is this final half hour. And now, Mr. Avery, the leading characters in order of appearance. The murderer, myself. The catalytic agent, your daughter, Lois. The victim, you. Listen. Listen, then, Mr. Avery, to the last show you'll ever hear. Murder, please. Hello? Ken, this is Chris. I hate to bother you at home, but I'd like to apologize for the way I acted this afternoon. I accept the apology. 
Ken. Ken, I'd like to talk to you about renewing my contract. Uh, how about dropping down to my office? Sorry, Chris, no go. I put up with you for two years now. Your temper tantrums, your insults coming in stowed to the gills. Two years of it was plenty. I've had it. I see. You won't change your mind? Not a chance. Okay, Ken. Thanks. Thanks for nothing. <laughs> Lovely opening scene, Mr. Avery. Thank you. You played it exactly the way I wanted you to. You just threw away your last chance to save your life. An excellent performance, Mr. Avery. I shall kill you in the name of the parasitical breed you represent. The avaricious, arrogant men of high places who milk the talent of others and claim it as their own. So, Mr. Avery, if you won't come down to my office by invitation, and I knew you wouldn't, there's another way. The telephone book. Listen, Mr. Avery. The sound of the flipping of pages. Your daughter's phone number. Here we are. Hello, Lois. It's been a long time. Bet you don't even know who this is. I don't recognize the voice. Christopher Turner. Oh. Oh, hello, Mr. Turner. How are you? Fine. Just fine. How do you uh, like living alone? Oh, it, it's all right, I guess. Rather be living with the folks? No. No, it's, it's kind of independent this way. How's the writing coming? Not so good, Mr. Turner. I've written five scripts so far, and every one of them has been rejected. I don't know what's the matter. Well, the reason I called was your dad and I had a little talk this afternoon about you. He he thought perhaps I could help you. Oh, well, I, I wouldn't want to bother you. Oh, no bother at all, Lois. I like to help aspiring young talent. That's very kind of you. Well, what are you doing this evening? I was going to wash my hair. Why don't you wash your hair tomorrow evening and come down to my office right now. We'll get started. Well, I... I, I told a girlfriend I'd be home tonight. She was going to drop over. Can't you call her and tell her to make it some other night? Here's the point. This is the only free night I'll have this week. Things are sort of piling up. I'd like to see you get squared away with your writing... And I did promise your dad. Well, all right, Mr. Turner. You know where my office is? No, I, I don't think so. It's right across from the studios in the annex, room 208. I'll be right over. Fine. A and I, I certainly appreciate this, I'm sure. Not at all, Lois. Goodbye. Goodbye. I'll be right over. I certainly appreciate this, I'm sure. Not at all. You see, Mr. Avery, that's how people talk. Now, let's see, what else? Oh, yes, yeah, sound. Drawer opens. Gun taken out. Click of breech. Whirl of chamber. Bullets inserted in chamber. Three, 
four, five, and six. Gun in drawer. Drawer closed. Now we must wait until the... You see, Mr. Avery? Fate is a better dramatist than either of us. Just when things start getting dull, the phone rings. Hello? Hello, Chris. Hank. Oh, hi, Hank. What is this? Old man Avery got you slaving on a round-the-clock basis now? When are you going to tell him to go take a flying leap? I just did that today. No kidding. Well, congratulations. From here, you can't go any place but up. Yeah. Say, Chris, we got a pretty active poker game going on over here. Just room for one more sucker. What do you say? I can't tonight. I'm doing my last show. Well, forget it for one night, why don't you? Live a little. Thanks, Hank, but I can't. I'm coming over and get you away from that typewriter if I have to use force. I can't do it, Hank. The show's next Sunday. Well, I got a script due tomorrow. You don't see me knocking myself out. Let them wait. I'll be right over. Now, listen, Hank, you can't come over here. Uh, don't you get it? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry, Chris. Sure thing. Give her my regards. Anybody I know? A uh, story conference, that's right. Yeah. Well, uh, take it easy, boy. Uh, how about lunch tomorrow? Mm, sure thing. Okay, Chris. Goodbye. Bye. That was close. Good scene, though, don't you think, Mr. Avery? Your daughter, Mr. Avery, has just driven up in front of the building. She wears a cardigan sweater, tweed skirt, flat shoes. She's young and very pretty. A girl with everything to live for. Now she's disappeared into the building. In a moment, she'll knock on my door. Then, Mr. Avery, you will hear for yourself how youth reacts to the threat of death. And this, Mr. Avery, would be the proper dramatic moment to end Act One. May I suggest, at this point, you insert one of your beloved commercials? In just a moment, we continue with... Suspense. Do you know the Social Security benefits to which you will be entitled when you separate from the service and take a civilian job? Here's a tip from Social Security. The basic idea of old age, survivors, and disability insurance is really simple. During working years, Workers, their employers, and self-employed people pay Social Security taxes. The money is deposited in special trust funds. When earnings stop or are greatly decreased because a worker retires, dies, or becomes severely disabled, payments are made from these funds to replace part of the earnings the family has lost. The amount of the benefit is figured from the worker's average earnings. The total payment can be as much as $254 a month for a family with several members collecting benefits. You can see how important it is for you to know just what the law requires you to do and what benefits it provides for you and your family. For more information, write to Social Security, Department 15, Hollywood 28, California, and ask for a free copy of Booklet 35 called Your Social Security. And now... We continue with the second act of Murder on Mike. 
starring Mr. Raymond Burr. A tale well calculated to keep you in... Suspense. Act Two. This is Christopher Turner once again, Mr. Avery, bringing you by transcription the first recording of an actual murder ever made specifically for broadcast. The setting, my office, the music, recorded, the time, night, the victim, yourself. Your daughter has just entered the building and in a few seconds she'll be knocking on my door. I'm sorry I have to go to such lengths to get you into my office. I'd gladly have killed you in the street, but it's so much more difficult to make a recording there. So concludes the usual resume with which we begin the second act of every Murder, Please program. I hear her footsteps in the hall. Your cue, Lois. Sound? Knock on door. Come in. Hello, Lois. Come on in. Thanks, Mr. Turner. Have a seat. Here, by the desk. This is awfully nice of you, Mr. Turner. I, I always tell Dad to stop imposing on my behalf, but I guess he'll never learn. You're here because I want you to be here, and for no other reason. Now, a cigarette? Oh, no, thanks. Uh, my, this is a, a nice office you have here. Oh, it serves just a hole in the wall, but quiet. Nothing fancy. Why? I like it. How long have you been writing, Lois? All of my life, but, uh, well, seriously, about six months. What sort of things? Murder, mostly. I hear that's what sells best. True. True, you can usually make more money writing about murder than committing it. So, uh, suppose we just start talking about murder. Maybe something interesting will come out. Now, tell me, why do you think people kill? Lots of reasons, I guess. Could you kill? I don't think so. Maybe you could. Here. Here's a loaded gun. Take it. Oh, please put it away. Uh, Take it in your hand. No, no, I'd rather not. Oh, it's very obedient. Won't fire unless you press the trigger. Now, take it. That's it. Now, point it at me. Oh, please, I... Think now, think. One touch of your finger and you kill me. One little touch. Very delicate instrument, the trigger. There's a sense of power there. Feel it? I'm afraid. Fear? Yes, but exhilaration, too, like the second drink. Yes, I... I I guess I feel it. You... you can give it back to me now. I... I never held a gun before. Are you afraid of death? Sometimes, when I think about it. What is death to you? Death? I I don't know. No idea? Emptiness, blackness, nothing. Is that so terrible? Yes, because you really don't know. Like the dark. That's it. You... you don't know any more about death than you do about me. You? Yes. Well, well, I, I know you work for Dad. But you've never even spent one hour with me. Once at lunch, your father introduced us, yet you came up here alone. Now, how do you know you can trust me? I suppose I don't, really. Look at this gun. Please put it down. It it makes me terribly nervous. Do you have any money? A little. How much? Five dollars, maybe, and some change. Give it to me. 
here. Now, why did you give me the money? Because you asked me for it. Because you were hoping I'd put down the gun? And if I had said, a kiss, one kiss and I'll put down the gun, what would you do? I suppose... I, I suppose I, I'd give you... But a kiss? That would be harder to give, wouldn't it? Yes. Kiss me. There. Thank you. Now, now put down the gun, please. I, I know it's a lesson in writing and, and all that, but it scares me. No. But you said you would. I said nothing of the kind. And if I had said it... You would have been foolish enough to believe me. You can't trust a man with a gun. You feel helpless, don't you? Yes. While you could give me money, there was hope. While you could give me love, there was hope. But if all I wanted was revenge, there would be nothing you could do to save yourself. No, nothing. And if I told you that right now, this moment, I'm going to pull this trigger and blow you to bits, tell me, what would you say? Well, I... I'd try to talk you out what of it. What would you say? I wouldn't know what to say. Then I'd shoot. I'd tell you about the electric chair. Very little threat to a man about to kill. Later, perhaps, when he's running away, then he'll think about consequences, but not now. Now it's only kill. Now, what else? What else would you say? I'd beg him. He wouldn't listen. I'd plead with him. I'd say, please don't kill me. And if he still wouldn't listen? Then, then I'd die. Yes, you'd die. Mr. Turner, I, I... I think I'd better be going. No. We're not even started yet. Well, if you don't put down that gun, I'm going. I don't like it. You sit down. I want to tell you a story. Please, Mr. Turner. Sit down! This is just a sample plot. You can have it if you want to. It's about a writer, uh, a writer who had great novels in him. Great plays, but he was broke. For the sake of a roof over his head and three meals a day, he started turning out radio mysteries. He turned them out until every drop of originality was squeezed out of him. Finally, he realized that he had nothing to leave to the world. Nothing but scripts to be swept up by a studio janitor after the broadcast. Well... The writer made a decision one day. He would do a last radio play. A radio play with an actual murder. The only chance he had for immortality. And he selected as his victim the man who had squeezed his talent dry. He selected his editor and producer, Ken Avery. I like you. I like you very much, Lois. I wish this could be happening to almost... Anyone but you. Get to the phone. What? The telephone. What for? To call your father. No, no, I won't do it. You'll call your father and you'll tell him to come down here. Now pick up the receiver. No, no, wait. I'll do it. Oh, please, please, Mr. Turner. Be quiet. Please. I'll take the phone. Tell him. It's ringing. Take it. Dad? Lois? Lois, what are you calling at this time of night for? Something the matter? D Dad, I... You want him to take you home. You don't feel well. I... Lois, something I... is the matter. Where are you? Uh, uh, I'm at Mr. Turner's. Turner's? His apartment? He, his office. 
I don't feel well. Dad? Come and take me home. Come and take me home. I I don't feel well at all. Give me the phone. Hello, Ken. What's the matter with Lois, Chris? I don't know. She came up tonight to discuss some scripts you wrote. But she seems to be suddenly taken ill. You'd better come and get her. I'll be right down. Relax, Lois. We haven't got very long to wait. The script is nearly finished. Twenty minutes have gone by, and now I hear steps in the hall, steps of Mr. Ken Avery. The climax, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience, I produced for you. Mr. Avery will never live to hear. Lois, are you... Sit down, Ken. What is this? Lois, what's been going on here? Tell him, Lois. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill both of us. Close the door. Chris, put that thing down. Somebody's liable to get hurt. (laughs) Good line. Perfectly in character. The inane cliché from the mouth of the great producer. You see, Ken, everything's being recorded. Your voice, Lois's, mine. Sit down. Recorded for what? Posterity. For the show next week. You'll have the honor of appearing on your own program as the murder victim. Let me show you here in the desk. You see? Tape recorder. I've stopped, watched every second. It's been running exactly 25 minutes. You always made it a rule to plan the climax for 26.30 so you could have room for a final commercial. Well, that's just what I'm doing. According to my timing, you have about one minute and 30 seconds to live. All right, Chris. All right. That's uh, enough of the phony dramatics. Give me that gun before somebody gets hurt. Stand back. I wouldn't want to mistime the climax of the show. This won't make a show. You won't be around to change it, Mr. Avery. The agency wouldn't put this thing on the air. Why not? You telegraphed the ending. Oh. There's no twist. No surprise ending. You told the audience to expect the murder to be successful. But our shows have to have some kind of surprise for the audience, Chris. You know that. Where's the twist? (laughs) Still the editor right to death's door. All right, Ken, perhaps you can provide the surprise ending that's going to save your life. I don't have to. Oh? You provided the twist yourself, Chris. But you didn't know it. And yet the twist was part of the story all the time. Where, Editor Avery? You, Chris. You're the twist. Me? That's right. You're a flop, Chris. You're so used to dreaming on paper, you can't live anymore. You wrote about love because you never had it. You wrote about fortunes and you haven't got two bits. You wrote about murder, but you haven't got the guts to pull the trigger. Now give me that gun. You think I won't shoot? I know you won't. Give me that gun, you hack. What did you say? I said you were a hack. Give me the gun. No. No, I'm not a hack. I'm not. Give me that gun. Let go. Let go of my hand. Drop it. Drop it, I said. Let go. (laughs) You always have to change the ending. Dad. It's all right, Lois. Dad, take me home. We have nothing to worry about, Lois. The recording will clear us. Take me home, please, Dad. As soon as I make sure what's on that tape. 
I'll rewind it to the beginning. Here we go. Good evening. This is a recording of an actual murder. Not written, not rehearsed, but well and thoroughly planned. It is respectfully dedicated to Mr. Ken Avery, editor and producer of the radio program... Suspense. In which Raymond Burr starred in William N. Robeson's production of Murder on Mike, written by S. Lee Pagostin. Listen. Listen again next week when we return with Flesh Peddler, starring DeForest Kelly. Another tale well calculated to keep you in suspense. Supporting Mr. Burr in Murder on Mike were Norma Jean Nilsson, Ann Diamond, Alan Reed, and Byron Kane. Suspense. Visit RileyandKimmy.com to connect on social media and for archive podcasts. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.